You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We're talking about President Donald Trump's courting of a trade war with China. He says his tariffs are the right move, even if China retaliates with sanctions of its own. The president says our trade deficit with China is just too steep, and if it takes a trade war to correct it, so be it. But What's the reaction on the Chinese side? Tom Watkins has had a lifelong interest in China and is an advisor to the University of Michigan Confucius Institute, to Michigan's Economic Development Corporation, and the Detroit Chinese Business Association. He is in China now and joins us to talk about how this story is unfolding there. Tom Watkins, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, Niao from Shenzhen, China, <laughs> Stephen. Yes. Um, so what what is the reaction to this sort of blustery talk about a trade war in America, uh, in China? What are Chinese officials saying about it? And what are the Chinese people taking in about what our president is saying? Well, you can well imagine with 1.3 billion people, there's a lot of different attitudes. Sure. But they, the ones that I'm hearing uh, from the officials that I'm meeting with and I'm here uh, building relationships with the universities, community colleges, and K-12 institutions to build that bridge, which is really going to be important for Michigan uh, in the future. There's a tremendous amount of worry and bluster uh, of what's coming out of the president. I mean, people understand that in, in a war, a lot of people get bloody. Um, there's also a kind of a sense that uh, that once again, the West, in this case America, is trying to humiliate uh, China, and, and uh, China has a very sensitivity to that. Mm-hmm. Between 1849 and 1949, is referred to as the century of humiliation, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. where the West uh, really uh, rubbed China's nose in it. Uh, and China has a tremendous sense of pride, uh, and so basically uh, calling them out on some of their behavior. And the fact is, is that there are issues that we need to deal with, with uh, fair and free trade, uh, intellectual property theft, uh, and the like. Uh, whether this is the way to go about it, um, I think remains to be seen. Uh, there's an old African proverb uh, that uh, even the Chinese official reminded me of, and that is that when elephants fight, in this case perhaps elephants and dragons, mm-hmm. uh, the grass gets trampled. And so there's a tremendous worry uh, of what this will mean to the Chinese economy, uh, the U.S. economy, but at the same time um, saying that China has stood up um, and they're not going to be bullied and chest thumping out of America isn't going to get them to kowtow uh, to the West going forward. So I want to ask you about this this supposition that uh, what Donald Trump is doing here is the same thing that he does in other contexts. In other words, that uh, he throws out an extreme proposition, an extreme threat, in the hope of moving the the other side of the negotiations to a more reasonable space for fear that he might actually do the things uh, that he's that he's threatening. That would seem to misread in this context the nature of sort of Chinese culture and Chinese business based on what, what you just said. Is that a is that a, a correct read on that? It absolutely is. I think uh, one needs to understand uh, what China has, has dealt with. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that the Chinese economy was the largest world economy, 18 
of the last previous 20th century. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they were the middle kingdom um, for a number of years. In some ways, we should send the China thank you card uh, to some of the mass hysteria around Mao and the Cultural Revolution, which really gave us a 50, 60, 70-year head start uh, on economic uh, advancement uh, because there was so much chaos in China with the Great Leap Forward and, and the Cultural Revolution and the 50s, 60s, into the early 70s. This happens to be the 40th year of China opening up. And things that China is investing in, and this is something that I hope uh, we can have a conversation about now and in the future, is what we should be investing in in Michigan and in the United States. Mm -hmm. The city that I'm in, uh, Shenzhen, was a small fishing village 30 years ago. Today, it's one of the most modern cities in the world from 300,000 people to about 12 million people. Um, They're investing in education, workforce development, infrastructure, while we're spending trillion dollars uh, fighting wars uh, around the the world. Um, So we need to not be just focused on, you know, China's the boogeyman and what they are doing or not doing. Because my old football coach would go and would say to me, Stephen, is if I was complaining about the other team, he'd give me a good whack upside the head <laughs> and say, get in there and find a way to win. Uh, and we need to be investing in things that are going to make uh, the American people, the Michigan people, strong going forward. And, and that is clearly, in my estimation, in education, workforce development, and developing our infrastructure. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Tom Watkins. He's president of TDW, an associate consulting firm. He's done a lot of work and, and written about China over the past three decades. He's joining us by phone from Shenzhen, China. Uh, we're talking about Donald Trump's threat to start a trade war with China. The president says, so be it if the Chinese retaliate uh, to his tariffs by imposing sanctions of their own on American trade. He says that the trade deficit that we hold with China is just too big and that even if it starts a trade war, it's worth it to confront that challenge. What do you think about that? What do you think that will do to business here in the state of Michigan? What do you think will it will do to business around the country? Do you think this is the right approach? Do you think the president is stiffening the American spine and maybe asserting American interest more aggressively than previous presidents? Or do you think he's out of line and likely to court uh, consequences that will harm us more than they will help? As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, uh, and we will work you into the conversation. Gene on Twitter says, I think a better alternative to Trump's approach to trade would be monkeys throwing darts. It still ignores boring old complexity, but it's more fun. A pretty blunt comment from Gene there. Let's go to uh, Gene in Detroit uh, on the phones. Gene, welcome to Detroit Today. Well, good morning, Stephen. Hey. I'd just like to ask your guest, um, he thinks would be the is the effect of the fact that the United States is now a debtor nation and has been for some time, and that the fact that the Chinese own uh, much of that debt. Hmm. 
Yeah, uh, great, great question, uh, Gene. Thanks for the for the call, uh, Tom Walker's t- t- Talk about how that figures into this. It's a it's part of the trade equation, but it's also part of our domestic uh, uh, budget imbalance uh, issues and 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 things like that. What role is it playing here? Well, I think it is a it's a, it's a brilliant question because the fact is is that uh, when we shake a shiny object and, and make China the boogeyman, um, we don't have to look at our own internal problems. As I just mentioned a minute ago on infrastructure and education, um, but our debt problem. We just gave a massive uh, tax release mm-hmm. uh, at a time when the economy is booming, but we didn't need it to stimulate uh, the economy, and we're borrowing uh, trillions of dollars in order to prop up our, our economy, which makes us uh, week uh, around the world. Uh, so I think that uh, the caller, I think, has is, is, is got an excellent point. There are things that we could and should be doing um, here at home to make us stronger for now and the future. Um, and so that's going to be very, very important as we deal with it. If you look back on the previous election, China has been used as the uh, vote-getter, the boogeyman, uh, for, for the, the last four or five election cycles. Uh, so if we can make China the issue, um, then we don't have to refocus on what we need to be doing here at, at, at home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm curious about how uh, people in China perceive President Trump uh, in, in sort of broad terms. And, and the reason I ask that is that uh, people in this country, I think, perceive the Chinese president as uh, sort of, you know, erratic and unstable. I mean, and there's a lot that's been done to try to to try to um, foment that that kind of thought among among Americans. But did the Chinese look across uh, the Pacific and see a madman in 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 Washington right now, someone that they they can't trust or don't feel they could negotiate with? Um, you know, it's interesting because uh, this conversation I just came out of with some business people were really uh, concerned because they saw Trump coming in and, and a lot of things to admire from a Chinese business perspective. Here's somebody who's been successful in business, made money um, and, and the like. But this behavior uh, and not only um, hurting business, mm-hmm. but insulting uh, the nation. And nationalism in China can be switched on as easy as a, as a light switch. Uh, and it's very hard to, to turn it off once, once it's hit. You've watched it uh, around Korean project, mm-hmm. pro- products, uh, Japanese products, and the like. And so one of the things we don't want for this, and people say it's being used as a negotiating strategy, it could get out of hand uh, very quick. If the Chinese people begin uh, to see this as another way of humiliating um, or, you know, the old uh, Tip O'Neill comment that all politics are local mm-hmm. uh, plays out here in China as well. Uh, Xi Jinping cannot afford politically to be viewed as uh, being weak uh, to the American aggressor. Uh, so getting the attention, sitting down and negotiating in a win-win situation is the only sensible way uh, for us to come out of this because it's the tit-for-tat trade war uh, continues. Uh, it's not going to bode well for America, China, 
and for that matter, all of humanity. Right, right. Uh, uh, the Chinese economy obviously is a little different from the American economy. Uh, far more government control uh, of that economy. Talk about how they feel a trade war would affect them uh, in terms of you know families around the the kitchen table trying to make budgets work and and things like that. That's always the way that we cast. Uh, economic questions here in this country. What does that look like uh, in China? Well, China is uh, doing quite well. I mean, they, again, uh, going from uh, raising four to five hundred million dollars out of abject poverty uh, to the equivalent of the, of the middle class. Um, when I first began China, traveling to China in the eighties, uh, you know, you, getting dairy products weren't there. Uh, having enough meat there, in fact. We have a, a strategic oil reserve. There's a strategic pork reserve in China hmm. uh, because of the amount of, of pork that, that's consumed. And, and so hitting the soybean farmers uh, throughout the Midwest um, with that could have a, a, a devastating impact uh, on what's here. But as uh, your previous uh, guest was pointing out, uh, China can pivot uh, to other places. Uh, uh, the wine growers in California or Michigan are, are worried because uh, China can get that, that same good wine in Chile or Argentina and other parts of the world. Soybeans can be purchased in Brazil, Argentina, Australia. Uh, and so uh, there's leverage that uh, the Chinese government has. And their goal is an old saying uh, that, uh, that the Chinese rulers rule with a mandate from heaven. And that mandate comes from the will of the people. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, up until this point, uh, Trump has had nothing but glowing things to say about the Chinese president. Does this uh, trade talk affect their diplomatic relationship on that uh, on that front? Uh, is this uh, is this a, a relationship that is headed in? the the right direction or the wrong direction given given what we're watching. Well, I, I think that people realize that uh, China and both leaders uh, should realize that China and the U.S. are the most important bilateral relationship in the world today. Every major world issue is going to intersect at the corner of Beijing and Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. So how uh, these issues go, work, um, and again, I think that it can work okay, but if it's pushed to a further to a point where China and the Chinese leader is viewed as losing face, um, that will not bode well. I think well, they'll put on a happy face uh, when they're together. Um, but China, like any country, is striving uh, to be number one. And our you know, argument is just because we have been for the last couple hundred years, there's no guarantee that we get to stay there. And I think what you're going to hear, there's having, uh, I think it began already, the President uh, Xi Jinping will be making some pretty profound statements today and tomorrow at uh, the Bao Conference, which is kind of the equivalent of the DeVos Conference that's held in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. I think you're going to hear him uh, tilt and try to find a way uh, out of this mess that can be a win-win proposition for both China and the U.S. Yeah. Okay. Tom Watkins, president of TDW and Associates Consulting Firm, done a lot of work in and written about China over the past three decades. Thank you very much for joining us on Detroit Today. Hey, good to be with you. Thank you, Stephen.
Up next, we're going to talk with comedian and actor J.B. Smoove, who is in Detroit this week for a performance. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Be sure today to stay tuned after Detroit Today for On Point, which starts at 10 a.m. Guest host David Falkenfleck, an old friend of mine from the Baltimore Sun newsroom, current media critic for NPR, is going to discuss troops on the border, tariff wharves, and serious skepticism as President Trump's America First agenda shifts into high gear. So you're going to want to stay tuned to that for sure. But up first, we are increasingly hearing about the possibility of a trade war with China, something that could happen in response to President Donald Trump's proposed tariffs on imports. And it's something that he says he doesn't fear. He believes our trade deficit with China is large enough to justify the conflict. But what would that do to our economy, especially here in Michigan? where automakers and agribusiness are heavily connected to foreign markets. And what would it do to China? We're going to spend a good part of the show today talking about trade and tariffs and a possible trade war. And, of course, we want to hear from you. Are you fearful of the steps that President Trump is taking to try to close the trade deficit with China? Or do you think he's doing the right thing, asserting America's interests in the world. A little later, we are going to speak with an expert on the Chinese economy about how things look from over there. But we want to begin with Dustin Walsh, who is a reporter at Crane's Detroit Business. He recently wrote about how Michigan businesses would feel the impact of China tariffs. Dustin, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah. So uh, let's start with uh, just the obvious question, which is how would we be affected by this? And how deeply would we be affected by this here in Michigan? Well, it would depend, obviously. It would depend on where we go in a trade war, right? Um, right now, the way it looks is is our automotive companies would be kind of indirectly affected, right? So um, the big bulk of what's going to happen is is it would be foreign automakers down in the south. So BMW ships 89,000 BMWs to China. Um, United States automakers, domestic automakers don't really do a whole lot of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But the problem is there's a supply base. So Lear, other local companies have set up shop down near um, uh, the BMW plant in in South Carolina and the uh, Mercedes-Benz plant in Alabama. Uh, So they would be negatively affected because BMW said before we even uh, elected Donald Trump said if there was some sort of – if he won and there was a trade uh, war of some some degree, they would relocate – um, what they ship to China to probably Mexico or, or some other place. Right, right. Um, agribusiness, obviously, is another big part of what we do here in Michigan. It's also connected to foreign markets. Would that have deeper effects on them? So that would be that would probably be a less uh, dollar value effect, but it would impact more people, um, particularly soybeans. We've, we've transitioned to soybeans uh, away from corn uh, substantially in the last 40, 50 years. Uh, so, so they would be affected because China is the largest soy consumer, mm-hmm. um, particularly as their middle class is growing. They're eating more pork. So we, we've always exported pork to them, but it's been, um, you know, hoofs, snouts, 
Um, but as their middle class has grown, which is expected to reach 600 million uh, by 2022, I believe, uh, almost double what it was five years ago, uh, they're eating more and more pork. So they eat more soy because it's a high protein product. So we export a lot. And, and so it, would be, it could be a real problem for our farmers, particularly as it's really difficult to change what you're planting. Right. And uh, it's kind of not a good year for farmers as it is. So it, it's certainly scary. Yeah. Uh, who here in Michigan is sort of sounding the alarm about this? If you think about Governor Snyder, he has spent a lot of his time in office trying to build better relationships with countries in uh, the Far East and China in particular. He's made a number of China trips trying to boost the connections, the economic connections between here and there. Have we heard from him? Have we heard from members of the legislature who are concerned about uh, about this new turn in trade uh, trade policy? So he's been relatively quiet. I did ask him last week directly, has he reached out specifically regarding, regarding agribusiness? He said he has. He said they've been on the phone um, with the White House and with uh, uh, the Trade Department, uh, the Commerce Department, looking to understand what the impact and to explain to them that, listen, we have apples, we have cherries, we have, we have a lot of uh, agri- agricultural products that we export. Um, so he has been on the phone. But yes, it is very important to him uh, because China does have uh, you know, more money lately. They've been really investing here, particularly in automotive, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was trying to spur that investment throughout and has successfully spurred that investment throughout Michigan. Um, it's been really advantageous for us to have that, particularly coming in the downturn where we weren't seeing a lot of internal U.S. investment. China picked up a lot of that slack and and really kind of helped Michigan uh, suffer through through the rece- recession and coming out of it. Yeah. Um, are, are there are there other groups in Michigan who are who are sort of voicing their concern or, or trying to push back against uh, what the president is doing? I'm thinking here about, you know, the MEDC and other kinds of groups that that really have tried to buttress the economy, the local economy here, as you point out, as we went through a pretty tough time. Right. I haven't talked directly to the MEDC. I do imagine they're they're probably using the governor's office as their mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. Um, I do imagine they would be voicing their concern. I, I think that, uh, you know, foreign direct investment has been a pretty big part of, of the story of Michigan for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think shutting off the valve is incorrect. But we do have to, to realize that, that Trump is President Trump is right on to a certain degree that that China has been a bad actor, um, but the issue is that our private businesses have willingly accepted all their bad behavior right. because that Chinese market has been such a valuable thing. Particularly as we had the recession here and we're kind of the North American auto market is certainly peaked. Um, it's going to go down. The China market is a major, major, major market. Yeah. Um, upsetting that can be very dangerous. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Dustin Walsh, a reporter for Crane's Detroit Business, recently wrote an article about how Michigan businesses would be affected by China tariffs. We are talking mu- a lot today about uh, the possibility of a trade war, about the steps that President Donald Trump has taken to try to punish the Chinese government for being a bad actor on trade, currency manipulation, and other things that go on in terms of uh, the level, the unleveling the playing field uh, when it comes to trade. Uh, we're talking about what effect it would have if China retaliates. What effect would it have here in Michigan, where uh, automakers and agribusiness uh, both depend 
somewhat on foreign markets and, and on China specifically. Uh, we're a, little, a little later, we're going to talk about how these things look from China. We're going to hear from Tom Watkins, who is uh, a consultant uh, on China for a number of different institutions. He is in China. He's going to talk to us about what they're saying there about what President Trump is doing and the relationship between the two countries. We want to hear from you as well. What do you think of President Trump's uh, idea that tariffs and a trade war, possibly a trade war, are the way to fix the trade imbalances that we have with China. Is this the right approach? Is this just uh, more aggressively asserting American interests? Or is it dangerously flirting with the idea of moves that will really disrupt the local economy uh, in the United States and in states like Michigan. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Or if you go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, we will try to work you into the conversation. Tell us what you think about the president's trade policies. Of course, these are things that he has uh, said for a long time, uh, dating back to the campaign trail, that he wanted to be more aggressive. He wanted to be tougher with uh, with bad actors who take advantage of the United States in trade matters. Uh, is this the right way to do it? Is this the way to flex some of that muscle and maybe tip the scales back into our favor? Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to Charlie in Detroit. Charlie, welcome to Detroit Today. Number on the phone. Let's go to Charlie in Detroit. Charlie, you're going to need to run, turn down your radio too, bud. <laughs> okay, I guess we don't have Charlie yet. Uh, we'll, come, we'll try to come back to you, Charlie, when you turn down the radio uh, and figure out what you want to say there. Uh, Dustin Walsh, I, I'm curious if there's anyone here in Michigan who you've heard say the president is doing uh, what he should be doing. He's doing something that will help uh, help uh, restore some equanimity to the trade uh, the trade relationship between uh, China and the U.S. Well, I haven't heard anyone directly say, hey, tariffs are good. Um, they, they certainly <laughs> think that pushing back against China isn't necessarily a negative thing. And, and, and really what most experts believe is, is that this is a very Trumpian negotiating tactic, right? right? Negotiation tactic. It's, right. He it's, it's, blusters, he says right. he's going to do crazy stuff, and then – it scares the other party into into a more reasonable right. position. Right, and, and there's some argument whether that's going to be effective against uh, Chinese President Xi Jinping because he's sort of China's President Trump. Um, they're both blustering kind of uh, nationalistic kind of people. So we're not sure who's going to blink first, so to speak. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we certainly want uh, stricter IP protections, which is something he has, he has said. Um the issue is that no one believes tariffs are the right way to accomplish that goal. Um, so whether this is just a, a I'm going to, do, to divulge a very strict threat and hope that you come to the table uh, to talk um, and, and, and leave tariffs out of it, you know, that, that remains to be seen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not hearing anyone going, yes, we're, we're doing the right thing by, by escalating a trade war. Right, right. Okay, uh, it seems like Charlie has got his phone issues together. Charlie, are you there? Yeah, sorry hey, about that. That's all right. Um, Go ahead. So, Mike, I've heard a story about a Chinese firm uh, possibly looking or negotiating to buy Fiat Chrysler, and I just wondered where that stands in light of all this discussion and uh, how interesting that might be. Yeah, great question, Charlie. Thanks very much for the call, Dustin. What do we know about uh, 
those rumors about a Chinese company buying Fiat. So I haven't been following this day to day, but yes, Geely was was the company that was that was in discussion. Um, they are kind of the automaker to watch out of China. Uh, they also aren't tied to the Chinese government, which makes them a little more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're run by a, a a single person that is he wants world domination. He wants to buy everything, um, <laughs> and, and really become an automotive player globally. Um, I don't I don't necessarily know if that would be a bad thing. I don't know if these uh, I'm not sure how much impact this would have because I'm not sure that they would simply be importing Geely's to the uh, United States or sending fiats to China, right. uh, more than they already are. I mean, Geely's not coming here, but uh, there are some FCAs that are shipped to China. Um, so I'm not sure what impact that would have. The only, the only issue would be whether uh, Trump uh, tells CFIUS, the, the Committee for Foreign Investment in the United States, to not allow that to happen um, because of worry of IP or, or whatever that may be. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the only potential, um, I guess, you know, Thing that would happen that would that would be a negative on that deal. Right, right. Uh, let's go to Rod in Ontario. Rod, welcome to Detroit today. Oh, thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my question had to do with um, I follow the New York Times and the Washington Post pretty regularly. A little fascinated with the, the whole Trump thing. And um, but one one thing I'm not noticing in this whole trade war thing is we have up here RRSPs, which are equivalent to your 401ks down there mm-hmm. for saving. And I don't know about your middle class down there, but I've been really whacked by the trade war stuff. And um, just my my comment, really, but uh, also a question, why do you think that hasn't really gotten much attention? Um, in other words, in the, the what you're asking about is the effect on the stock market and, and retirement accounts. Yeah, because it seems to me that um, in 2008, that that uh, crash in the market or that decline in the market had severe uh, or at least serious repercussions on the economy at large because we're so much now a financial services-based economy. And it seems to me that they're at 10% decrease in the Dow, I think it's been, or more, must have been an awful lot of capital that's been destroyed or come out of the economy. Hmm. Yeah, Rod, uh, great question. Thanks very much for the call. Go ahead, Dustin. I, I can sort of touch on that a little bit. I mean, yes, I think I think he's right that that you know these little things that that the president does or anyone does really that that affects the stock market obviously affects 401k. But you can't look at it. You know, it can't be so myopic to look at it in a short term view, right? It's got your it's your retirement fund. It's over a significant portion of time. Um, Saying this into a recession, yes, that would be awful. Um, but it does sort of play into the fact of how this administration looks at the trade deficit. That seems to be what they continually argue is we need to shrink the trade deficit. Well, the trade deficit really, it's tied to trade, but it's not, it's not necessarily representative of trade. It's representative of people in this country make a lot of money and they spend a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And they spend a lot more than the people in China <clears throat> on products. Um, so, so if you really were concerned about the trade balance, your 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 first step would be far more progressive. It would be <laughs> mandatory four hundred one k. It would be causing our country, our citizens, to spend less and save more. And the same thing goes for the government. You would also pass a balanced budget or a reduction in the deficit. Um, those are things that would that would actually make the trade deficit go down. Right. Um, instituting a trade war is is sort of a, a lark as far as are using the 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 trade imbalance as as a as a reason to do this is sort of a lark. Yeah. So so then what is the potential for actual policy change on the Chinese side based on what the president is doing that would actually get 
you know, what, what get us to, to the space that he wants. I mean, uh, if this is a negotiating tactic uh, sort of geared toward moving China to a more uh, reasonable space, what, what does that space look like? Well, I think it would be a few things. I mean, I think, you know, basically, specifically for automotive in Michigan, those companies were going over there and they weren't allowed to operate without a government partner over there. So they mm-hmm. created a lot of joint ventures. Um, that was a way initially for them to basically domesticate their own automotive industry by, quote unquote, stealing intellectual property. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be, okay, we want our companies to be able to operate a little more freely in China. I think that's something that's a, that's a worthy ask. Um, uh, they they have gone, the last time we forced them to the table, which was uh, during the Bush and then later into the Obama administration, it was to develop IP protections. We've done that. The problem is they're not abiding by them. Um, so so it would be to to make sure that they are, in fact, enforcing their IP protections. Um, that would look better. Also, it would be to get more foreign investment from China into the United States. That would be a smart thing. Instead of us shipping whatever product from China to here, you open your place here, which I guess arguably Foxconn and, and those kind of companies are. Um, you know, get more Chinese production here in the United States. Um, and we do see that. Fuyo, if I can say it right, Fuyo Glass mm-hmm. um, came here and, and opened up quite a few factories um, and saved a lot of jobs. So, I mean, we need, we need more of that. So we need more on the negotiating table of what can we get to the United States and what protection can you offer our companies operating in the United yeah. States? Yeah, uh, the, the the cheating that goes on uh, in terms of IP and and other uh, other kinds of manipulations that the Chinese government is sometimes involved in. I mean, how much is that just a function of how China conducts its trade policy? And wishful thinking for us to think that yeah, well, we can make you, we can make them change that. I mean, that's sort of baked into the way they exactly. do things. Exactly, it is a big ask for them because you know they've been, they've had a trade policy in the way they operate for a long time. Xi Jinping just now made himself president for life. He has no interest. The Chinese, the China, it's the second largest world power now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They hold a lot of strength. Um, what would have helped us instead of going on a bilateral attack against China would have been to partner with the EU, would have been to close off their other markets because China can now go around us. China can work, especially on the ag business, China can now work with the Mercosur down in South America to fill in some of that soybean void. Um, they can work with the EU now to fill in some of the automotive void. There are things that they can do. So not coming up with a coalition against China to kind of force their hand uh, was probably short-sighted, but, um, you know, we got to get the world, the, the rest of the world, to work together, and that's obviously a, a very big ask as well. Sure, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is always the number on the phones. That's three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Tom in Northwest Detroit. Tom, welcome. Yeah, to good morning today. to both of you. You know what? To me, we've seen the reaction of the market in terms of this you know, this trade war or tariff uh, stuff right there. But, um, and I think that really Trump's, you know, playing to his base, okay, in terms of trying to, I guess, get some brownie points to, you know, push up his approval rating. But, um, and I agree with your um, guess that, you know, we've got to do, this tariff thing is it's not going to work. I mean, you know, it's like nobody wins in a war because you're going to have collateral damage on both sides. Yeah, that, Tom, I think that's a really that's a really interesting perspective uh, on this whole thing. This idea of a more productive 
approach. I think uh, I don't want to sort of speak for the president here, but I think he would say we tried that and we've tried that for a long time. This is a different approach. This is a more aggressive approach. And I want to see what the consequences of this are. They can't be worse, I guess, is what he would argue than what we're dealing with now. That would be the wrong assumption. <laughs> uh, they can always get worse, certainly. But yeah, I do believe that 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 is it. It's 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 very it's very his style, right? It's to come in there and just blow it out. Um, I question whether this is that his base is supporting this because I don't think people generally understand tariffs. But there's a lot of unintended consequences. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think anyone thought, oh, we're going to get into a trade war with China, and my my soybean farmer and neighbor down the street is going to go out of business. Um, and again. You know that's that could be unlikely. We we have to see what happens with the trade. But I don't. I, I question how much either he's playing to the base or the base didn't understand the consequences. Um, because you know I think everyone wants to go after China into a certain degree. Everyone thinks China's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. Um, but there are real life consequences to that. Sure. So that's that's what remains to be seen. So it's hard to take a hard line approach either way. Yeah. Uh, let's. Go to Rich in Royal Oak. Rich, welcome to Detroit today. How are you doing, Stephen? Good. Uh, so I have a cup, a, a brief comment, and then maybe there's a question, but you can resp- respond to the comment. Okay. Donald Trump is doing what he's doing to play to the base, and that's what he'll continue to do because his whole reason is essentially to create a counter-revolution and a right-wing movement in this country. And the best way you can do that is through national protectionism, let alone all the racism and everything else he's doing. And the response of whether a trade war could work or not work is also a question and a conversation from another century, because it fails to recognize that, as we say in Detroit, the JLBs are never coming back. I spent 30 years in the auto industry. They're never coming back. And therefore, we need to talk about a local, community, sustainable economy. Hmm. That's a very different way to look at either Brexit or globalization. And our failure to do that will keep us in this absurd argument as though the past is coming back. Now I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Rich, Rich, thanks very much for the call. Dustin, I'll give you a chance to respond to what Rich is is saying there. Well, I think he's he's right in a certain sense that that there are people that think, okay, we're going to bring manufacturing back. Um, the argument there would be, do we really want to, you know, do, do we really want, because if you look at what jobs are out there in manufacturing, they're either going to be very high end jobs, which are the ones we want. They're going to be the ones that require training, um, where we, we have to invest in education to get people for these jobs. Uh, and then the other jobs are the very low skill jobs that, that have been shipped offshore, whether it was tool and die in the, in the, in the nineties, um, or even some production before that of, of consumer electronics, um, as that continues to be, um, the issue is there's always going to be a low cost market. You know, if it's not China, it's Vietnam. Right. If it's not Vietnam, it's the Philippines. If it's not Mexico, it's it's uh, Argentina. It's wherever. You know, I mean, it's it's a constant moving target. Um, being in a global economy as we are now, and and unless this trade war gets really nasty and the two world powers pull apart, and then the whole world economy suffers, I don't see how we how we bring manufacturing back. Um, so we have to focus on the other jobs, the tech jobs, the jobs that don't have the multiplier effect, that don't create seven jobs per new job created, that only create two and a half. Right. Um, we have to really target the way we want to behave and what kind of jobs we want to build. And I think people do get that, and I think we're moving in that direction. But yes, there are people that will always look at NAFTA 
Um, automotive industry will always look at NAFTA as this really negative thing because they believe that caused the jobs, not rapid um, uh, rapid productivity gains and automation and things like that. But then you look at the other side, you look at agriculture. Um, NAFTA saved the farmers in America. Um, you know, uh, if you ask a farmer if we should have gotten into TPP, they would have said overwhelmingly yes. yes. Um, so, so our agricultural sector in America loves trade deals. Um, so there's always going to be a balance with that. And, and I think, um, you know, Rich is right to a certain degree that we're not going to go back to that. So let's focus on what the future is um, and, and what that looks like. And I'm, I'm not totally sure either, but, you yeah. know. Yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Right. Dustin Walsh, reporter with Cranes Detroit Business. Thanks very much for joining us here on Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. Up next, we're going to talk more about the trade war with China and what that means for the future of diplomatic relations with that country. Also, a little later in the program, we're going to visit with J.B. Smoove, the comedian of the show Curb Your Enthusiasm. He is coming to Detroit this week. He will be with us to talk about his comedy uh, on Detroit Today a little later in the show. Also, don't forget, if you miss any of today's conversation, you don't have to miss out. You can go to iTunes and download and subscribe to Detroit Today. Take us with you. Listen when you are ready. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. 